Welcome to AUSA's Army Matters Podcast, focusing on what's important to the total Army community. We bring vital Army conversations and interviews on issues relevant to soldiers, military families, and all of you amazing Army supporters. Rotating each week, our show includes Soldier Today, Leading Great Teams, Family Voices, and Thought Leaders. Let's tune into the show. Hello, everyone. I'm Colonel Retired Scott Halstead, and welcome to this episode of the Leading Great Teams podcast, brought to you by the Center of Leadership at the Association of the United States Army. Our guest today is Command Sergeant Major Eric Bonapane from the Airborne and Ranger Training Brigade at Fort Benning, Georgia. Command Sergeant Major Bonapane is a native of Manchester, New Hampshire. He enlisted in the Army in July 1997 and completed one station unit training as an infantryman at Fort Benning, Georgia. He served in every leadership position from fire team leader to brigade command sergeant major. His previous assignments include 3rd Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment at Fort Benning, Georgia, 5th Ranger Training Battalion in Dahlonega, Georgia, Regimental Special Troops Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment at Fort Benning, Georgia, the Army Compartmentalized Element at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, 1st Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment at Hunter Army Airfield, Georgia, 6th Ranger Training Battalion, Eglin Air Force Base, Florida, Command Sergeant Major Bonapane currently serves as the Brigade Command Sergeant Major for the Airborne and Ranger Training Brigade. He has deployed 10 times in support of combat operations in both Afghanistan and Iraq. He is a graduate of the Joint Special Operations Forces Senior Enlisted Academy, Class 22, and the United States Sergeant Major Academy, Class 62. He holds a Bachelor of Science in Organizational Leadership from the University of Charleston. Sergeant Major Bonapane, thank you so much for taking time to join us. More importantly, Thank you for your exceptional and selfless service to Rangers, the Army, and the nation over the past 25 years, especially as you prepare for your well-deserved retirement next month. You grew up in Bravo Company, 3rd Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment, and the 5th Ranger Training Battalion. What are some of the most important leader development events that you experienced as a young Ranger and as a young non-commissioned officer? Well, Scott, I think there were a lot of events and a lot of leaders over the course of my career that had impacts on my development. There were some significant events, some milestones, but I don't think they were tied directly to a waterfall event that really changed the course of my career. It was mostly on consistent investment of time and leadership from NCOs on a daily basis in the organizations that I served. For me, I would frame it as not so much leader development events, but more leadership interactions. A phrase that I like to use that captures the essence of this, and I use it with the students at ARTB all the time, is every touch leaves a trace. And I think that really captures the essence of leader development in the Army. There's not a specific thing. It's what you're exposed to on a day-to-day basis that develops you as a leader. A couple examples that I can give you. Came in service at 17. It was really my first time away from home outside of a week-long summer camp. And I showed up to Bravo Company 3rd Ranger Battalion. So the first really interaction that I had that was impactful to me was my roommate that I was assigned, Specialist Club. He was a relatively new Ranger graduate, TAB specialist in the platoon. And although he wasn't part of my squad, he took direct ownership of me, helping me to navigate my way as part of the platoon through discussions, recommendations, explanations, how the platoon worked. But more importantly, it was in what I saw him do for me when he didn't realize I was watching him, standing up for me, trying to provide me opportunity by putting my name in for opportunity and training. And it was almost like he treated me like an older brother. So that's one of those interactions that really started my development as a leader was seeing those type of things that people would go out of their way to do. And it really started teaching me about how I needed to view those that I'd be in charge of in the future. 
One other great example from that same platoon was a Sergeant Eastman. And in particular, Sergeant Eastman was absolutely the model example of coaching and teaching. Every range we went to, every training event we went to, when the formalized training was over, he would pull us aside, all the lower enlisted privates in the platoon, and he would just continue to train us on things that he thought it was important. Wasn't required, no one dictated, it's just who he was as a leader. And he chose to make a difference. So those are two really good examples, I think, of those leadership interactions that really started to shape who I was. I'll add one more. And that's when I went from third ranger battalion after five years and requested to go be a ranger instructor up at fifth ranger training battalion in Dahlonega. Having come from the ranger regiment, there was a lot of similar mindset. You know, the culture was very well established. So it was my first time outside of that environment. And I went from being in a platoon where I answered to one sergeant first class and had several staff sergeants as peers to being put as part of the organization and a unit that I was now directly involved with on a day-to-day -day basis of upwards of 25 non-commissioned officers, all of which had already completed their requisite critical development time as either squad leaders or platoon sergeants. And what I really gained from those interactions was that the Army is absolutely more than the sum of its parts, that the perspective that people bring from every unit and every organization is beneficial. And it's about looking for opportunity to include others that really solidified my understanding of that before I went back to the regiment. And I'd say the interactions that made the largest impact on me throughout my career were those interactions that I, I really firmly believe that the NCOs did not view my development as a problem to solve, but they looked at it as an opportunity to teach me and develop me to be a better leader. I read sort of the executive summary of your assignment history, your biography for our listeners, but really, and I know this because we've served together, You've spent your entire career in the 75th Ranger Regiment or directly supporting the 75th Ranger Regiment or in the Airborne Ranger Training Brigade. And so in your current duties as the Brigade Command Sergeant Major, how much of the way you grew up do you look back at, you know, what you learned about yourself in building great teams as the Battalion Command Sergeant Major of the Florida Phase of Ranger School? And then really what you learned, as you just described, as a Ranger Instructor in the Mountain Phase of Ranger School. How do those things tie together over the arc of your career? I think they all complemented each other very well. I think because of the community, the experience that I've had, I've never been in an organization that I wasn't surrounded by predominantly all Ranger qualified leaders. So I think when you look at the talent, the type of people that volunteer to either one serve in the Ranger Regiment or two go to Ranger School, there's a lot of commonality between the personality types, between the drive, the initiative, the values, the work ethic. So I think when you take all those together, they complemented and there was nothing that took away from my experiences coming up through those different positions. I think they served to provide me perspective, which I think is very important. I had experienced, you know, when you're talking in the Airborne and Ranger Training Brigade, being an instructor, going through the certification, walking with the students, the day-to-day -day grind that that entails and the opportunity that it is to pour into future Army leaders, then coupled with a battalion CSM in ARTB, where I was able to see the instructor development program directly guide and steer that for the instructors that were going to be doing the instructor duties. And then all the way up to the brigade, where now I get to observe and help develop and manage the instructor certification across all three Ranger training battalions, but also first to the 507th for both the basic airborne course instructors and the jump master instructors. So, Sarmir, one of the things I don't think we talk about enough in our Army is the role that senior non-commissioned officers play 
we know they develop other sergeants and we know they develop great soldiers. My role models growing up over 30 years in the Army were almost entirely sergeants. And so can you talk a little bit about your thoughts on the role of a senior non-commissioned officer and how they develop not only great teams, but their officer counterparts? Absolutely. And I think that's really an important question to get after. I think that my view of that specific question has changed over time, and I think rightfully so, based on perspective and the positions that I've held. I think you can easily try to answer that with a list of what to do and when to do it. But I think more than that, conceptually, the senior NCO's role is leading organizations and pursuing excellence while taking care of soldiers and doing it. I think that at each different level, senior NCOs are focused on different things. At the platoon level, you know, the Sergeant First Class, that first rank as a senior NCO, you know, it's much more technical, tactical, down and in. So there's different methods and there's different areas of focus for him compared to a company first sergeant, compared to a battalion CSM and a brigade CSM. I think ultimately, when you boil it down, our role is to create an improved version of us that's going to eventually replace us. And I think that's where the value of senior NCOs come in. We have the experience to be able to look at a situation, a same situation that a junior NCO or junior officer will look at, but we're looking at short-term and long-term effects on both the individual and the organization. And I think when we take our experience and we interact and engage with those junior leaders, we provide them a perspective that only time allows you to gain. And it's a way to get ahead of them having to learn through discovery learning by being able to tie concepts and information together through those engagements to really develop them in how they think critically, you know, how to think and not what to think. Because ultimately, the problems that they're going to solve tomorrow is going to be much more in-depth and challenging probably than what I had to experience in my career just based on the technology and the way the Army's going and the way the global military forces are going. You know, I listened to General McChrystal speak recently, and he was really talking about his time in the Joint Special Operations Command and his extensive time in that community. And he said what he found most valuable about non-commissioned officers was when there's no good solutions. And his concern was whatever we're going to do, it's got to be morally and ethically correct. He said every time, not every time, but often he would ask one of his subordinate commanders, what do you think about this? And they would sort of hem and haw and and he turned to the command sergeant major and the command sergeant major is like, sir, this is a no brainer. We either cannot do that and here's why, or we must do that and here's why. And so that clarity of conviction based upon the, the moral, ethical background of senior non-commissioned officer, he said it was the most valuable thing he had as a commander, where he knew if his judgment was clouded, he could turn to his command sergeant major or operations sergeant major and say, what do you think? And every time we'd get the right answer in terms of how to execute a delicate mission. And so that speaks volumes to what you just described, that the longer you've served in the Army, you can frame and solve complex problems that maybe you couldn't do as a sergeant or staff sergeant, but all these years of experience training yourself, training others in multiple tours in combat, you get to be able to focus on really what's the heart of the matter and then advise your commander. Here's how we can best accomplish the mission within what we stand for as American soldiers. So I appreciate your feedback there. I think one other thing along those same lines too is, and what you just described, I think is another aspect of what senior non-commissioned officers bring to the table. And that's the ability to know when to apply healthy pressure to an organization and when it's too much and it becomes crushing pressure. Healthy pressure is always beneficial to get after what you just talked about. When decisions have to be made, when there's stress, when there's ambiguous situations, it's 
how did you prepare for that during training? And I think senior NCOs know, based on individuals, how much pressure they can apply to be able to stimulate growth in an individual by pushing them beyond where he's comfortable operating at. You know, the base training is very important, but it's in those times, whether it's a junior officer or junior NCO, when he's pushed to do something he's not comfortable doing. And then he comes out on the other side and he sees he was successful and it builds confidence and it enables him to be a better leader going down the road. Right. I've been blessed to serve with incredible senior non-commissioned officers throughout my career who behind closed doors would tell me if we do that way, it's going to hurt really bad. We can, it'll work. We'll accomplish the mission, but it's going to hurt. Would you consider this? And I can look back throughout my career and in the few times I was bullheaded and said, no, we're going to do it my way. My platoon sergeant, my first sergeant, my command sergeant major, he stood alongside me. We learned some hard lessons together, but the times I did listen, I would look over at him and sort of smile on his face going, trust me, we're going to get this done. We're going to accomplish the mission every time. We'll minimize the risk to the force if you listen to me. And so that has certainly been a thread in my career. And I appreciate what you've done for your organizations and your commanders over the span of your 25-year career. Have you purchased your AUSA swag yet? Be proud to show your support for AUSA, which in turn shows your support for the U.S. Army and our soldiers. Check out all AUSA swag at shop.ausa.org. So as Command Sergeant Bonapane explained, there's four battalions. There's the Benning phase, the Mountain phase, and the Swamp phase of Ranger School, 4th, 5th, and 6th Ranger Training Battalions. And then for some of our older listeners, the 1st Battalion, the 507th Parachute Infantry Regiment, is also a key part of the Airborne and Ranger Training Brigade. And they run the Basic Airborne Course and the Jumpmaster Course. So the mission of the Airborne and Ranger Training Brigade is to conduct transformational training to develop and deliver competent and capable Rangers, Parachutists, Jumpmasters, and Reconnaissance Leaders to enable the U.S. Army and the Joint Force to prevail in combat. So Sergeant Major, let's transition to really what you're doing now as the senior non-commissioned officer in the Airborne Ranger Training Brigade. Can you talk about some of the brigade-level leader development programs that you're responsible for? You, you talked a little bit about what you and I would call RITEP, but some other things you do to certify leaders and then get them prepared to excel in their current duty positions and then what they're going to do when they depart the ARTB and go serve as company first sergeants and battalion-level operations sergeant majors and command sergeant majors in the near future. So with our brigade, as you alluded to, it's broken down over three different geographic locations. So our leader development, it's very hard to do a traditional LPD style leader development because it's hard to pull all the leaders that would be our normal target audience of commanders and first arts together at one time. Because at any given time, we have multiple courses being run, and those leaders are required at key events to ensure the safety and the proper execution of training. The brigade leader development is kind of broken down really into two distinct categories, I would call them. One would be mission focused or focused on developing our instructors as leaders performing their job in the brigade. And then the other is the professional development as preparing them to go back out to the operational force. Our population, like I said, typically, you know, most units would focus two levels down. All of our SAR first classes are post platoon SARs. Our company commanders are second time commanders. These staff sergeants are all senior staff sergeants. So when you look at that population, a vast majority of our senior NCOs are what would be our target population when they go back out to the operational force. So we actually spend a little bit more time and focus on the instructors as well as just the company commanders and first sergeant. 
So starting off, really, the mission-focused leader development that we do within the brigade, we have three different programs. When we get an instructor, as I alluded to earlier, staff sergeants have already done 24 months as a squad leader. Sergeant first classes have already done 24 months as a platoon sergeant in the operational force. So we're getting very experienced, successful leaders as a foundation to start building on. We always like saying we don't build the best instructors in the Army. We're simply providing the tools to enable successful leaders to be able to best convey their experiences and their knowledge to a student population, of which a lot of these NCOs have never been a formal instructor before. So our program is very in-depth. It takes 90 to 120 days. You have RITEP, Ranger Instructor Training and Education Program, the India, which is the Basic Airborne Course Program, and Tango, which is Jump Master Program. All of them fit within the 90 to 120 days. And during that, we were pairing them with senior mentors, so senior ranger instructors or airborne instructors. So not only are they getting a classroom portion, not only are they getting certified as an Army instructor, not only are they passing all the same physical standards of the course that they're going to instruct, but they're also paired, and most importantly, with those instructors that have been around several years that are able to talk them through what they're going to see with the varying populations of students that we see, both for challenges and then also to be able to guide them into opportunity of how you capitalize on the training time you do have to best instruct the students for the course they're here for. And then we really focus on professionalism at all times and purpose behind everything we do. And ultimately, everything that they learn in that course and over the subsequent three years of assignment really enables them to be a better leader when they go to the operational force in and of itself. They're experts in small unit tactics or airborne operations. They are professional Army instructors that know how to deliver effective training, and they know how to relate to and deal with a more junior population. So all around, that's the brigade focus for the specific task of being an instructor. 90 to 120 days of deliberate training and mentorship. And then throughout most of our programs, they're never by themselves. So as iron sharpens iron, they're paired with other experienced non-commissioned officers and officers that they're conducting their duties with, that they're learning from. So that's one aspect of the leader development. The other aspect is the professional piece of it. We run company commander and first sergeant LPDs where we will pull every one of them from the brigade in to Fort Benning, conduct PT. The LPDs are not because of the wide range of training that they conduct, they're not specifically task-oriented. It's more leadership discussions, conceptual thinking, critical thinking, and getting them to talk about leadership issues. So we do that periodically, on average, about twice a year, just because of the challenge of pulling everyone in. We do monthly engagements where the commander and I will travel around to each of the camps, and we will engage with not only commanders and first sergeants, but also with the instructor population, the center of gravity within the brigade. And it's really taking opportunity of persistent engagement to just reinforce the principles that ARTV operates by. And like I said, if you boil all of it down, it's professionalism at all times, and it's a purpose behind every single action we take with a objective standard. Sir Major, I'll tell you a couple things. As I talk to leaders across the operating force, and you know this, the return on investment that the Army gets when they receive a former Ranger instructor or a former Black Hat is incredible. And so I love talking to leaders out in the operating force that said, I just got this guy. He got promoted to Sergeant First Class when he was in the Airborne Ranger Training Brigade, was a phenomenal instructor, and he's walking right into platoon sergeant position or, or you know, the more senior leaders into a first sergeant position. The professional reputation of your instructors when they go out and strengthen the Army is incredible. And the Army is excited to get them back in their ranks after their instructor duty. 
The other part I liked what you said, and this was not the way I grew up in the Army, but I think you and your commander are onto something special here, is linking whenever possible, you know, your company commanders and your first sergeants together, and as what you described, your professional development forms they rely upon each other and they balance each other out in good companies. And so if you go through that process together, they both benefit. And it's another opportunity for that, you know, relatively young company commander to hear the perspective of not only his or her first sergeant, but the other first sergeants in the brigade. I think most units are not doing it that way, but if they did, I think they'd reap the benefits. And again, you described the persistent engagement of you and the commander as you move around to the four battalions and you listen to them and you provide context, you clarify the commander's intent, you answer questions to really strengthen that bond of trust. I think that's so important. And you've got some challenges because as you said, you've got geographically dispersed battalions and yet I know you do it to a very high standard. You know, as you're coming to the end of an exemplary 25-year career of service, What I like to ask leaders is, what have you done really over the past five or 10 years to develop yourself? I mean, you grew up in incredible organizations, as you described, surrounded by talented leaders that were absolutely committed to the mission. But the more senior you get, some leaders, they don't continue to develop themselves. I know that's not the case with you. What have you done to keep your mind sharp, to keep yourself physically fit, to keep yourself engaged in spite of your seniority as you move up through the ranks? I think for me, uh, I'll go back to the words of Colonel Retired Puckett, be happy, but never satisfied. I think what I've learned over my career and in life in general is there's never a culminating event as a leader or in life. It's just a pursuit of excellence. And I think being around all those leaders, you know, the great leaders I've had throughout the years, they've really always pushed me and challenged me to do that, is that you can always get better. It's not about trying to meet perfection, but it is about trying to meet excellence in everything you do. Specifically for me, it's maintaining a lifelong learner attitude. It's reading. You know, I've always been told if you're the smartest person in the room, you're probably in the wrong room. So I try to put myself around leaders that have already done the positions that I'm either going into or I'm currently in to be able to gain a different perspective that I haven't yet seen. You know, anytime you sit with individuals that look at a problem set from a vastly different perspective that have different opinions. It presents the opportunity to come up with new solutions you would have never thought of on your own. So I think those are the things I really do. I try to learn. I try to ask questions. I like details because I know that the more I understand any given subject, at some point in time, I'll need some type of information or understanding of that subject. And the more I know it, the better I can be an advisor or recommender to my commander of what is in the best interest of the organization. Is there anything that you'd like to read or share with other leaders across the ARTB that has helped you in the realm of individual development? There's definitely a couple different books. You know, some really good ones that I like, Jim Collins, How the Mighty Fall, you know, talking about the five stages of decline. It gives you the ability, when you look at that book, to look at your organization and to see this data-driven analytical look that they had at corporations and really identify Is your organization at a point where it's ascending and becoming better? Is it just at a location where it's surviving? Or is it on the decline and you're still just living off of past success? Major General Hodney has a statement that kind of captures what that book says. And he calls it the four C's of catastrophe. When you become competent in what you're doing, you gain confidence. When you are confident, if you're not careful, it can lead to complacency. And then complacency will always lead to a catastrophe, which restarts the cycle. So How the Mighty Fall is a really good book that I've done LPDs on in the past for NCOs and officers. I like Getting to Yes. It talks about principled negotiations. 
talks about, you know, very rarely will soft or hard negotiations be applicable in what we do, but principled negotiations, not just talking about how to get an item, but how you do resolve conflict between leaders of different organizations, perhaps different countries when you're operating overseas. How do you conduct principled negotiations so that everybody walks away winning and coming out on top of the position that they first entered with? Five levels of leadership, John Maxwell. I like that one a lot. You know, always got to throw in a sports book there. So uh, Legacy from James Kerr, talking about the All Blacks rugby team. Great leadership lessons in that book. So those are four ones that I like going back to that I like recommending to NCOs and officers to read. Well, Sergeant Major, I appreciate that. I've read Jim Collins' Good to Great that talks about level five leadership, but I have not read How the Mighty Falls. So I'm going to add that to my own professional reading list. And I'm about halfway through Legacy right now. And you're right. It is an incredible book about how you build and sustain a culture of excellence by sweeping the sheds, as James Kerr said, doing the little things so no one else has to do it. So I, I appreciate your perspective. What's interesting to me is I talk to senior army leaders like yourself. They talk about books that really stretch you, but they're not talking about military books so much. They've read those earlier in their career. They're talking about books that get them out of their comfort zone that they can then, based upon their experience, relate it back to the company commanders and first sergeants of the Airborne Ranger Training Brigade. So I appreciate that. So, I mean, do you have any closing comments, any closing thoughts for our audience? No, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to come on the podcast and share a little bit about what I've learned uh, over the last 25 years from the organizations that I've been a part of. Well, I appreciate it. And for our listeners, Command Sergeant Major Eric Bonapane was my last sergeant. He was my brigade command sergeant major, my last duty assignment in the Army. And so I know firsthand he is an expert at building and leading effective, ethical, cohesive, and audible teams. And you just heard it now. It's based upon his humility, his moral leadership. I can tell you firsthand he's beyond calm during times of adversity. So, Sergeant Major, thank you for everything you've done for the United States Army and our nation. It's coming at a cost. We wish you the very best as you move into retirement. And you've made a profound and positive impact on thousands of people, to include me. So I appreciate what you've done. And I know that Godspeed, you'll be equally successful in whatever you choose to do next in the service of our country. Our next guest on the Leading Great Teams podcast will be First Lieutenant Maggie Gleason from the 2nd Cavalry Regiment at Rose Barracks in Vilsack, Germany. AUSA will release that podcast on Monday, March 14th. Our listeners can access all of the Leading Great Teams and Army Matters podcasts at www.ausa.org slash podcast. To all our listeners, thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Army Matters podcast on iTunes and everywhere podcasts are found. The Army Matters podcast series is brought to you by the Association of the United States Army. The U.S. Army's Professional Association, member-supported, Army-connected. Visit us at AUSA.org for more information or to become a member. Your membership helps AUSA continue to carry out its mission to educate, inform, and connect with the total Army, our industry partners, and our supporters of a strong national defense. For questions or to provide topic recommendations, email us at podcast at AUSA.org. Have a great Army day. Hua.